0: You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio a 104.5 KCZW-LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC-LP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Montgomery County, Texas, licensed attorneys, and we are here on IRLoneStar.com every week, 104.5 and 106.1 Tuesdays from 12 to 1 p.m., and we are talking about legal issues. Uh, If you have questions, reach out to us at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. Today, Tony and I are going to be talking about homeowners associations. Right, Tony.
2: Yes, we are, and there is, you know, it seems so dry, and uh, you know, you don't want to. There wouldn't be much to really listen to or talk about. About. It. Oh my gosh! If you own a home, it's more than likely you are in a homeowners association. Right. And uh, i big sure deal. Lots of people have uh, crazy stories about them, but the more I looked into it, and I've never had any problems with any of my homeowners associations at all, so I don't really have a, a dog in that fight. But I'll tell you this: my my husband actually moved uh uh originally before i met him from the house that he owned in um was it grand lakes that's that, that sugarland community that's really big right grand whatever it is right. but anyway um he moved out there he was all excited about they got the big red brick house two-story right by the lake the whole bit right and um the homeowners gave him a bad time and yeah. they wouldn't let him keep his garage door opened on saturdays while he was working on projects it was insane and he literally was like, you know what? I don't care how much money I put into this house. I'm out of here. Wow. So he moved up here to Conroe to get yeah. away from the homeowner Gestapo's, he, because you couldn't yeah. because it was that strict. And so I think the bottom line is what we're talking about today is if you buy a home, you better understand the rules and regulations in and the restrictions in your homeowners, uh, with the homeowner association, what they've established, because it could uh, really affect your life a great deal in in the things that they uh, will control and govern what you can do with your own property.
1: Okay, well, absolutely. So let's talk about what a homeowner's association is. Okay. I mean, you know, if you own a home and you've had run-ins with them, then you know what they are. Some of our listeners may not know what they are. So they're they're called HOAs, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're organizations, they- And
2: some other POAs, property owners associations. Uh-huh, different.
1: uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, as I was looking for this, I saw
2: COAs too. Oh, condominium association. Condominium. condominium
1: okay. Yes. Okay, um, so they deal with the upkeep of the common areas. Sometimes homeowners associations actually own the common areas. Like we're talking about common areas, like well,
2: that's, uh, that streets. Is, uh, that, oh, the streets too, really. Huh.
1: Uh, can can be some of the streets, the huh. the pools, uh, you know, clubhouses. Uh, that's, that's
2: I forgot all about that. I guess they would do that. Lake condominium because uh, I have a townhouse, in our townhouse the you know, the common areas are owned by everybody. They're not owned by the association. They're only right. governed by the association. But I suppose the homeowner association could own it. And I do know that in our subdivision, uh, when the developer put it together, for the first 10 years, the developer uh, owned, because the developer owns everything, and then they they subdivide it and they get the restrictions put in. And then uh, they, they, the, the homeowner's association is established, and there's different rules on how they do that and what have you. But uh, generally, the developer has their their own uh, persons, uh, workers, associates, they're put into the positions of the officers in the association. And uh, after a a 10-year period, there was something called the uh, transfer control date, and the developer would transfer ownership after he sold all the lots or all the ones he wanted to sell. He'd transfer ownership of all of the the remaining uh, entities like the like for an example, in our homeowner association, we have um, uh, horse uh, uh, ranches. You know where l- little—I um, don't use them, so I should know. Although our homeowner association owns them, um, they are uh, ran- like, corrals rent—they're where you can oh, people should uh-huh. people that ride horses are going to know what these things are called. Go work out your horses. But yeah. uh, but the pools and that kind of thing would also be something that would be considered as a part of the homeowner association. Mm-hmm. Well, at the ten-year mark, it was called the controlled transfer date in. All of the the, the the areas that weren't restricted and the, the open areas that weren't just easements got transferred over to the ownership of the association, mm-hmm. or at least the governance of the association, and all the rights of the association got transferred over. So if there was an easement uh, that, that remained open, and let's say that it terminated or there was some issue with it, then the association is now in the position to be able to fight or control or you know, make rules upon, Mm -hmm. you know, those things. So that's, I I was kind of long-winded about that without having any legal background on it. But the bottom line is it's all, um, it's all controlled and governed by those, those covenants and restrictions that are now a part of the land because they were created and and made a part of it by the developer when that, when it was put together.
1: At the very beginning. And then it's transferred
2: Uh over to the homeowners Mm -hmm. association.
1: And so they govern the common areas and uh, common Facilities, right? You know.
2: And and what we'll get into, I guess. Uh, do you want to give some definitions, or uh, you know, just to kind of get the yeah, get sure, us going on to it. get it started. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitions like on what?
2: Well, um, actually, I kind of had a bunch of little question and answer things, but I had picked up this article. There's just so much about homeowners associations, how they're governed. Right. Um, you know, one of the big things because I had a case on this about five years ago is homeowners association dues, and mm-hmm. if you don't pay them, because that's usually not one of your high priorities in your bill, you know, when you're right. paying your bills is, oh, just the homeowner's associate They don't even do anything for me. They're not gonna cut my electricity off or whatever. <laughs> no, you don't pay your homeowner's association dues. And, you're, and a lot of, this happens so much. It's incredible, I get calls about this all the time. If you don't pay them, they can foreclose on your house. I know, I This know. is not like those three things that you learn in law school where there's only three ways they can foreclose on your, 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 your homestead, right. and that's gonna be the mortgage, Um, if you, you know, got a home improvement loan or taxes, no homeowners associations can also foreclose if you don't pay them, but there's a lot of restrictions on that. For example, um, did you know that, um, or I'll, I'll ask you this instead. Um, if homeowners, uh, at what point can a homeowners association in Texas by statute, uh, uh, be able to foreclose on your house, how far behind you have to be? And it's statutory, so I think they can change it within the rules. In fact, they can. Uh, I would say three months. Of well, statutory. no, it's an amount. It's weird $1,800. Oh, gosh, that's be, nothing. Yeah, if you're, uh, and that, yeah, that is nothing. It, it depends because sometimes some mm-hmm. owner's associations have really low dues. And so, particularly ones like in the, another property I own, uh, they grandfathered in that, uh, do it the, amount that they had when they bought the property. Oh wow. Oh my gosh. And $200 after or 30 something? years everybody else is coming in buying the property and it's like $400 a you know a month or whatever it may be. I was like well I guess it could be somewhere that high. Um but theirs is only $25 a, a year. I mean oh, okay. th- th- there's well, that's like, not like bad. nothing. But no. but the new owners have $400 a year right. because they didn't grandfather in. Oh. And then we, this this particular association uh, was really kind to people that had um, disabilities or they had something. There was something um, handicap veterans. They got different. This is strange, but they got different amounts that were due because of that, uh, either their own handicap or because of their service to the, you know, the the military, the, the or military, or to the United States. Really? So, yeah. So um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to read this 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 one little article, and it's about uh, the Palmers, and it it's it has it's sort of like flip flop. You know how when they buy houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, you, you're thinking, I'm going to be a real estate mogul. I'm going to go in. I'm going to buy this little house. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be Joanna Gaines mm-hmm. and, and Chip. Chip and Joanna, I've got to give him some mm-hmm. credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to go in there, and I'm going to make a mint flipping house as well. Um, what they don't tell you, or they may not so watch that show enough, is that if you don't really uh, look closely at those homeowners associations' restrictions, you may not be able to do a flip-flop because there's so much control over what you can do, even to the outside of the property, mm-hmm. um, with this. So I think they're in Waco. Maybe they don't have as many, you know, uh, issues with the restrictions, mm-hmm. or maybe they're buying the homes that don't. But um, but that's a big big deal. You there is so many things that you cannot do, particularly to the front area of your house, which in some
1: communities like the common interest communities, they the houses have to look pretty much uniform is that
2: what the color of the paint even has to be approved yeah the shade of gray (laughs) has to be approved and that can get expensive because with each approval you may have to pay a fee you have to submit it to your homeowner association and this is just a group of people after either they're voted in and there's a whole procedure under the texas property code community um texas property code 202 versus 209 governs all this if you ever have to look for what your rights are outside of your homeowner association but um the, those uh, particular uh, – your homeowners association officers get together as a board, and there are certain rules and regulations that they have to follow before they can enact a provision or they can change a provision. But once they're there, oh, it's, it's, it's tough. And yeah. so I never attended any of my homeowners association meetings, which is really bad over you know so many years. But I'm, I'm doing it now um, just to kind of be informed – or at least to read the newsletter, you you need to be uh, apprised of what's going on because you don't know what's being voted in and out. And right. I will give another example uh, in another one of the properties we own. We have it's on a commercial. Uh, we have a commercial and uh, commercial as well as residential uh, property. Uh, it's it's it. So we're we're a commercial. It's we can live in it, but we can also have a business on it really yes and that's different from the other restrictions on the interior because we're on a main thoroughfare and uh, the homeowners now uh, the homeowners association wants to raise the homeowner association fees for the commercial entities but not for the residential which is unfair to the commercial located properties because what if you're only using it for residential Uh, you're in a subdivision that does it's not fully developed yet let's say so that, that would be an unconstitutional, uh, I guess there would be a constitutional due process taking if you were required uh, and there's no, it's not equitable for the commercial owners to pay more than the residential restricted owners when they're not getting any more benefit are from the dues. It's just that they may make more money because they've got a commercially restricted lot. Yeah. And so that, that's being fought right now, but that has to do with the homeowners association, um, the, the actual restrictions and the deed restrictions. And uh, I, I'm not—I can tell you the truth. I don't think anything's happened with it yet. But if enough owners vote and they follow the rules, uh, it can be changed yeah. to the detriment of the commercial owners who only make up about five percent of the 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 whole the, the whole number of lots that own as the group. So that's kind of something that's that's pouring out right now. That I'm not really, you know, I don't I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I'll keep everybody priced. So do we have right. to take a break?
1: Yeah, we're going to go to break. Uh, You can send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com, and you can check us out on the web at legalconnectionshow.com. We'll be right back after the break.
0: Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio.
1: Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about homeowners associations. And uh, we were just talking about the difference between commercial and residential. And and I didn't realize that they pay different dues.
2: Well, they don't. Uh, not in general. Uh, it depends on what the deed restrictions say. Right. Because uh, in many subdivisions, they border a main thoroughfare. And if they border a main thoroughfare, you don't want to be restricted to only residential because you're, you are want to have a commercial property, uh, you know, a business. You want to run a business where you've got the most traffic. And nobody, t- typically, people don't buy a home uh, on like a, you know, I-45. Or 1488 <laughs> yeah. or something right there, right. So, so they're going to zone it so it's mixed, particularly in the beginning, because if you're in a rural area, there's not going to be, I mean, you probably want to live there, and which is what's going on over on our other property. Uh, we've got... It's set up so it could be a house. It's got a bathroom. It's got, you know, areas that can be built out to be bedrooms. And um, you can do both. And, in fact, many of the business owners do actually live in their property. Right. Um, so, and, and they're sort of up in arms because why should they have to pay a higher fee when they don't even use the facilities? They're not getting any more benefit. Why would why should their fees be higher just because they're determined to be, uh, maybe to make more money? That would be, now they're looking at the character of the person living there and not what benefit they're getting from the homeowners association dues. So they're kind of fighting that. But if the residential property owners, which are a majority of the owners, I think there's like 400 lots in there uh, out of like a, a total of 500, then they could, as a majority, they could go in and vote. And the uh, in o- only they could be voted that they would have higher dues. That would be an amendment to the deed restrictions. That's governed by uh, the Texas Property Code Chapter 209. And those officers have to follow certain um rules to make the deed restrictions to allow the deed restrictions to be changed are that this not that the restrictions actually change but that the amount can be changed because that's that's covered by the restrictions the way to to modify uh, an amount due because everybody knows that you know back in 1960 there was a there, there was a, a cost of living change uh you know about 50 years later 70 mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be these these uh just like in river oaks these subdivisions will go on forever. I mean, River Oaks was established, I believe, back in, I want to say, that's just a long time since I've looked at the history of River Oaks, but I was so interested in it at the time. I want to say it was in the early 1900s Mm -hmm. uh, that River Oaks was a way out subdivision from Mm. downtown and it was established, but I could be wrong. We put them in the late 1800s, but it's still in place. Oh, yeah. And the difference between um, the way River Oaks looks and the way West U looks and the way Montrose looks all had to do with deed restrictions because houston didn't doesn't have zoning which is another thing that modifies and governs how what you can do with your property Mm -hmm. but um montrose was sort of the dumpy area on the side of the railroad tracks Mm -hmm. and then west u was the elite and the houses the subdivisions were established at the exact same time Mm -hmm. the deed restrictions made west u an elite area because they had nice homes people knew when they bought into how beautiful they were going to be and that they could only do certain things and the montrose turned into kind of a hippie upper westheimer mm-hmm. flip-flop of stuff but of course now that now it's it's um uh, i want to say uh what's the term look like um when when you have uh when things are completely different what, what is the term i'm looking for transformation <laughs> no. when things are Ec- completely eclectic, different eclectic eclectic got, yes when you've got like this yes. point little collection house right next you know, a trailer home, yes. but that's what deed restrictions do. They don't allow you to put trailer homes next to mansions, right? And or a gas station. There's a, lots of things going on with that. Now, the way it works is when, in fact, this this article from AM and M was yeah, just let's amazing. Hear. What, what is that? Um, and then I'm going to get into nine things you want to do before you buy a property in order that you can um, you'll be comfortable and deal and with build, your HOA, about your HOA, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So this was an article, and it was about a, a, it was a real life case, and it was the Palmers. The Palmers purchased a home. In an established neighborhood. Uh, The home was located in one of the oldest subdivisions in the city. This is Houston? This is, uh, it's not in Houston, but we can pretend like it's in River Oaks. Okay. Um, The Palmers contemplated making major structural changes to refurbish the old residence. So (laughs) I can only imagine that they wouldn't want to do that in River Oaks. But maybe, you know, maybe they've got a little shack out there or something in these these converted areas, which is another thing. My sister bought a house back in 1984 uh, in. uh, oakwood forest for forty thousand dollars and then that turned into a tear down area and they didn't do anything to their house and now today as we speak and it's a you know it, it's not one of these cute little quaint uh, cottages it's, it's the other mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's now worth the the property is worth uh between 350 and fifty and five hundred thousand dollars. Wow. and this is just right outside the loop and they still live there so um, when we're talking about refurbishing old houses, a lot of times they're teardowns. But sometimes you want to buy it to wait for them to improve in value. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say like Chip and Joanna. They do it pretty quick. They do mm-hmm. those slips. Oh, I wish I had that talent. Anyway, the contractor, however, thought that the proposed modifications would violate deed restrictions requiring 51% of the house's exterior to be either brick or stone. So uh, that paper wasn't they had in mind. The restriction was placed on the subdivision by the original developer. This was the Palmers' first exposure to deed restrictions. The Palmers wondered if the deed restrictions were still enforceable, and if so, who had the power to enforce them? The Palmers wondered about having the deed restrictions removed, and here's what they found out. Deed restrictions are an established means of regulating land use. Properly implemented deed restrictions govern such things as property use and the kind, character, and location of the buildings or other structures. Mm-hmm. The party imposing the restrictions must first own the land. The restrictions may be placed in subsequent deeds or recorded with the subdivision plat. Recording gives constructive notice to all purchasers, so you know when you buy it what you what you're getting into. Right. And the developer knows when they buy it what they're getting into because right. it's not just free land when the developer buys it. I was reading some cases where a developer bought a, a large chunk of property within an area that had deed restrictions. And then the old owner said, uh-uh. you know, the old farmer Joe said, Nope, you can't do that. And, um, they went to court the old farmer Joe won a ton of attorney fees wow. and the developer could not do what they wanted to do. And they were putting in like 50 houses. So really? yeah, the, the old farmer Joe knew and the developer was like, oh, no problem. I got this, it's, it's old. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's already passed. You know, the, Statute limitations passed, and because it's it's been waived. No, nope. those state restrictions. It's not that easy. You better be really careful when you buy when you're buying some open land that you've really looked carefully at what's in that title, because your land may be a, you know maybe subject to that. Um, oh, wow,
1: that's interesting. Yes. I did not realize that it applied to uh, developers as well. Yeah. I thought developers established.
2: Well, no, you you go back to just like on one of our other shows. You go back to 1836 when we became. Uh, you know, we we became our own state when we won our independence from Mexico, and then later when it was sort of like Texas also had deed restrictions when we became a part of the United States mm. because now we had to comply with their rules. But um, if you have to, you should really go back as far as you can go because you don't know what deed restrictions are going to be in place now. deed restrictions probably were, did not apply back in you know the 1880s because people weren't thinking they were going to you know someone was going to put a house or a trailer. Trailers didn't exist. I mean, cars didn't even come about until the 19 1903 but deed restrictions became prevalent down during the periods of like pottersville particularly after world war ii when people were coming back from right. the war and then everybody needed houses and then mm-hmm. and everybody knows Shantytown. if you watch, it's a wonderful life how mm-hmm. you know it just kind of took off from there mm-hmm. but uh so you probably wouldn't have to go back to 1836 but at least back to like my sister's 1940s yeah. her house was a 1940s house hmm. okay so potential purchasers can determine whether property is subject to deed restrictions by researching the chain of title to the property and by examining the subdivision plat a title policy of purchase also reveals their presence deed restrictions can be confused with conditional fees and determinable the estate's a little bit different they're actually you can actually tell that when you look at the title it's not that hard to go into up here in montgomery county you can google the uh, official property records of montgomery county and um if you uh, for no fee and you just sign in as a guest you don't have to log in or anything uh, you know, set up your name and all that stuff. You can actually go into the deed records at your house. Everything is automated now and look at everything wow. deed restrictions, uh, of, uh, assumed names, who's been, who got married. And you can do that also in Harris and other counties. But I really like Montgomery counties because nothing's hidden. Mm-hmm. There's nothing where you have to go into the site and actually, you know, see it uh, by going, you know, walking in. You can mm-hmm. see everything online mm-hmm. as long as you've got like that Adobe or you know, whatever the your your computer's updated to actually look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, do we have to go on a break? Okay, no, we're I missed. I was watching. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. We're well, good. Um, all right. So, um, uh, with each of these, the grantee receives title subject to a condition or limitation, and that's the uh, conditional fees or terminal fees. But those will go away. So, deed restrictions are a little bit different. Okay. So, when you're reading the title, if you have a question, call an attorney. Uh, and then they can differentiate for it. Usually, if you call one of us or email us for free, we can just say, well, no, that's a, you know, that's something different. That's a conditional fee or that's a, that's not going to be a, a restrictive covenant that goes with the land forever. You know, right. we might be able to answer that for them. If the specific condition or contingency occurs, the grantee loses title to the land. In other words, like with Memorial Park, um, that was deeded to Houston in 1903 by, um, I think it was I'm a hog. Her name was actually I'm a hog. I'm a hog. Yes. And uh, people might know the history of that. But when she deeded that land, which used to be called Rice Military School, that was the survey name. And that was because during World War I, they did military work right there at Memorial Park. And there's lots of history, if you want to read about it, where um, it was uh, that was like a really good. uh, They had blacks and whites working together and all together to help the, the war effort in World War I. And I think there was some riots out there, too, which was really, really bad and Why? because there was Why a lot of racial riot? tensions oh. right out there at Memorial Park. But ultimately, um, the actual Memorial Park area, not the memorial subdivisions around, Imahog sold that or, or, or gifted that land to the city. But the condition was it could never be used for anything but a park. And when that condition is breached and it's no longer used for a park, mm-hmm. they try to put commercial on it or whatever, it would go back to the Imahog estate. So that's mm-hmm. why Memorial Park has never been developed. However, the estate has kind of tweaked that throughout the years by putting the tennis court on there, and they they put like a golf course on there that you have to pay a fee for. And I think they've got um, Beck's Prime is a restaurant that's on there mm-hmm. because and fees may have to go like for char- like a, a charity thing, you know, a certain part to you know to pay toward the Memorial Park Association, whatever. And I, I'm not that well versed in in the actual. Workings of how they got away with that, but um, but that condition makes it so there will never be houses. No one will ever live. Uh, I don't even think homeless people can live on Memorial Park, and that's why it's such a beautifully maintained park in the heart of the city. Right. Um, but that's different from deed restrictions because mm-hmm. that wasn't in a deed restriction. That was a part of a covenant when mm-hmm. uh, that was a special condition that will never change. Mm-hmm. In other words, that can't be voted out by a board members mm-hmm. on on a committee. Um, title can never be lost by breaching a restricted covenant. In deed restrictions, okay, which is different from a, a determinate fee estate like with Memorial Park. Now, um, deed restrictions may appear in two forms. One is called a personal covenant, uh, the other is a real covenant. Personal covenants are binding only between the grantor and the grantee. And that is like when I just saw the other day in another title deal I was working on. Um, the grantor specifically said, as long as I live on this, as long as I live on this property, um, you agree that, oh, I think that how, do they, how do they have it worded? Um, it was specifically between the grantor and the grantee. Right. And it, it had to do with having, uh, leaving the trees up as a buffer. And it, it, it the person had owned two properties apparently. And they said, as long as I live on the property behind this property, um, this particular property on the other side must maintain 75 feet 75 yard no, it was feet 75 feet of trees uh, on the property that's contiguous. in other words as long as this person lived they would always have trees behind their house and when they right. died they could do whatever they could do whatever whatever that's how they were. it was kind of like a life estate so um, that would be a personal covenant a, a, uh, a personal covenant has nothing to do with the use and enjoyment of the property. Uh, Texas court decided that a covenant whereby the grantor agreed to purchase gasoline, Only from the grantor was a personal covenant. So that's kind of crazy, but Mm -hmm. it said that as long as you're using, I guess it must have been a gas station. Mm -hmm. There's no subsequent owner of the property was bound by that. Only that one person was. Okay. Real covenants, on the other hand, directly affect the use and enjoyment of the property. Those are the important ones. Well, they're important to anybody besides, they're going to be important if you didn't make a deal and you just bought the property in a subdivision. The real covenants are the ones that you need to look at. Right. And those are the, people, the ones that are set up by the developer, as we know it, not some old-timey thing about Memorial or River right. Oaks. You know, some crazy, weird thing like we were talking about. In mm-hmm. um, new subdivisions, the ones that they're developing right now, as you drive right. down 45 and it says, come see our property. Mm-hmm. Um, covenants of this nature are said to run with the land mm-hmm. and are touch and concern the property. This means the covenant and the property are inseparable once the covenant is recorded. All subsequent transferees will be subject to the covenant, whether the restrictions are expressly referred to, in and, and the conveying instrument or not. Consequently, not only are the original grantor and grantee entitled to the benefits and liable for their obligations, but so are their successors and owners. Mm-hmm. So, the person that you were to sell to, if you mm-hmm. had that covenant, mm-hmm. if this was recorded, you would also be uh, that next person would also be subject to them.
1: Okay, Tony, we're going to take another break, just a short break here. And we'll be back. Uh, check us out at com. Send us your questions at questions at com. We'll be right back after the break.
0: Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music.
2: Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776.
1: Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. We, Tony and I are here today talking about homeowners associations. And, um, you know, Tony, uh, we have a question here that says, what kinds of things can homeowners associations regulate? And, um, you know, the authority that they have, they cover things like maintenance and upkeep standards. Owners are expected to meet as members of the HOA. So, you know, the, like I said earlier, the common areas, uh, part of living in the community typically includes agreeing to keep a home, its lawn, and surrounding property in good condition. Mm-hmm. You know, they can get really upset. Homeowners associations, if you leave your trash cans out too long or you let your grass right. get Our too wind, tall. Ours actually
2: says when you can bring it out, and I think many of them do. It can right. be before ours a certain time, uh, on, uh, the day before. And I guess you would be in breach if you did it before that, but I don't think they really hope that they're not that
1: picky. No no kidding. Me too. <laughs> uh, rules can also limit new construction. So yeah. residents likely need permission if they want to install a swimming pool or a yes. fence or build an addition to their home. They'll right. need permission. Standards may they can apply to driveways, landscapings and other aspects of the property. And
2: they do. Uh, it could go so far as to type, and I, I was reading about another case, the type of fertilizer that you use. Really? Yes, because some of them are, if you're like, uh, uh, if you have a, a, I guess in this community, it was real all nature and you couldn't have pesticides that would hurt the wildlife. It had butterflies and it had horses and stuff. There was a regulation on what you could use to kill your grass because they said it would harm the animals and the the wildlife in the area. (laughs) They can can get really, you know, uh, nitpicky. They
1: are, they sure can. And then also, how do they enforce rules? You know, we've been talking about they've got these rules and they can govern, you know, they can mm-hmm. send you letters, they can do whatever. But disciplinary actions by an HOA are typically in the form of fines. You mm-hmm. were saying they can foreclose on your house, and they can. Right. But typically it's in the form of fines. But in more serious cases, they can actually go as far as a lien on the property.
2: Well, typically that is going to be because they didn't pay their homeowners association dues. Um a lien, they can put a lien on your property, and they also have the authority within those deed restrictions, and it'll say it in there, that they can come and and take out the plant or the tree that you put in the right of way. They will send you letters. They usually have to give you a first, second, and third notice. Uh, and whatever those legal fees it costs where they're fighting with you about it, they can usually get those back, and it's all within those, those covenants within the uh, homeowners association rules. So read those very closely.
1: Right. Uh, for a sufficient offense— they can even foreclose on your
2: home depending on its rules like mm-hmm. you just said judicial or non-judicial and they they have to put those in there too but if it's a non-judicial just like in many deeds of trust they don't have to go through the courts to come to foreclose they can literally say look here we're going to post your house up for foreclosure the homeowners association this is insane this is crazy and then when they do that they can go a step further and say and, and work with your first Lean mortgage, the, the, usually the mortgage holder, usually a homeowner association is like for, you know, if you're depending on how many liens you've got on your house, it's down the pike. But they can foreclose even if they're the last lien on there and then say, okay, whoever buys it, buys it subject to the mortgage and they can go and take your house. But I will tell you this did you know that Texas has a redemption period? Texas has a redemption period for what? How long if they foreclose on your house, can you come back? What period of time do you have that you can come back and rebuy it back? Like with taxes, you have a redemption period in Texas?
1: It's two years. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, what is the redemption period in Texas? Is it three
2: months, six months? Close, 180 days. Yeah. If the Homeowners Association forecloses and they're the only foreclosure, you have 180 days to go basically pay the lien and get your title back. Yeah,
1: see, I think that's incredible. Texas is so good Mm -hmm. for homeowners' rights. Uh, but if an HOA assesses fines, even incorrectly, it may be better to pay them first and then contest the matter to avoid oh any God, late yes. fees. I know. Why
2: would you You want to fight? The late whole, fees. Why would you risk the title to the most precious thing you have? Right. You know, the pr- most precious right you have, in my opinion, other than your first amendment. Well, uh, the first ten amendments. Uh, which, what are your favorite, just out of curiosity, out of all the ten uh, amendments, not commandments, amendments, <laughs> the Bill of Rights, what uh, what do you think is the most important one, if there is one, if you could you know, choose it? Do um, you have the right to vote? You know, right, right to right. Uh, you know
1: that's a hard question. Uh, I like the right. Rights. I like the, I like the right to bear arms. The right. You know I like. But so you're a Second Amendment girl. I like the Second Amendment.
2: Um, but I, I like
1: all the as amendments. a criminal
2: t- uh, defense attorney, I love the Fifth Amendment. I love the Fifth Amendment. But I have to go with right. I do of, too. I love that right for uh, a freedom of religion. That's what our our whole country was founded I agree. on. Yeah, I mean, I do. I agree. Persecution because look back in the old days. Uh, I I go back to Paul and Saul. Paul was Saul was killing everybody because of their religious, uh, you know, uh, persuasion, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get killed over that. Well, I hope you don't these days. Anyway, At but, least uh, not in America. Yeah, I, I would say but my, right now, though, my right to free speech is like one of my one of my tops they mm-hmm, kind of change up a mm-hmm. bit okay so um i'm going to we have uh, nine top things that you should do uh uh nine things that you should know about homeowner associations number one learn the hoa rules before you buy a house absolutely you may be able to find them online before you buy the house do this it's very very important um make sure any online information is current if you cannot find this information online ask your real estate agent to acquire the document so you can see, pay particular attention to rules regarding fines and whether the HOA can foreclose on your property for non-payment of an HOA do, dues or fines. Because a lot of people don't pay them because they're mad that they don't think they owe them. Right. They're like, why should I pay this assessment for They're not for doing anything for me. Well, yeah. I had nothing to do with the flood mm-hmm. or, you know, with the, the uh, you know, the. Y'all wanting to put up a monument in front that mm-hmm. that I didn't even like. I had nothing to do mm-hmm. with. So exactly. that's very very cu- important that you look at whether or not they can foreclose on non-payment and what the rules are on that. Learn about the process for changing or adding rules. And that's uh, actually if there's not a process in it that overrules it in the actual uh, deed restrictions, go to Texas Property Code uh, at section 202. It has it's very very specific and it's very clear what is required, whether it's electronic votes or whatever, how the rules can be changed, and, and whether or not HOA meetings are held at the time you'll be able to attend if you wish to do so. If the rules are too restrictive, consider buying elsewhere, because this is governing and re- affecting your ability to use and enjoy your land. Just
1: like your husband and what he dealt with over in... in, in it, gran- it is
2: it Grand, Estates? Oh, I can't. Grand Lakes? Grand Lakes. Grand Lakes. Grand, Grand Est- is it
1: Grand? I think it's Grand Lakes. Oh, I can't. I think that's Great, what it is. Jim's going to kill me because I can't
2: remember. But Great Grand Lakes. If you're not
1: sure, Great. it's probably not right.
2: <laughs> let me see. We'll ask him. But
1: uh, it, it messed is. him up. I mean, it really it interfered did. with his ability to use and enjoy his property. He left.
2: He, yeah. he, he upgraded his home in, a, in a, a, an established community right next to where, or uh, very close to where his hospital was, where he worked at. Mm-hmm. And um and he had to leave. Yeah, this is and not I'm so uncommon. I'm glad did because yeah. I just love our boat. Uh-huh. Okay, next is you want to make sure the home you want to buy is not already out of compliance from the HO rules. They can actually, um, they can actually expire, terminate, or be waived if because if other if the homeowners association isn't enforcing one of the rules. Uh, for example, if every, uh, several people have trailer parks on their home. And uh, it says no trailer parks and you're going to you think, oh, this is great. I'll get rid of them. Home Association rules. Um, If they've waived that for a certain period of time, then trailer parks stay. I don't care what the rules say. Mm -hmm. So be aware and look around before you buy your property. All right. -hmm. Um, Buying an existing problem can be a headache. So find out what the rules are and whether um, whether you would have to make changes to the home to comply. And it can go for anything, not just trailer parks, but that comes up quite a bit. Really? Trailer parks even, even after? a big deal because uh, people will move a trailer park in onto a property because they see another one's there. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the other one may have just been temporary while they were building a home and that was allowed in the right, restrictions. Right. And this person wants to move, you know, uh, ha- half the family in uh, to move in their double wide and on a piece of property they bought that you know was smaller than the rest or whatever the case may be this is the case that i read and and they couldn't do it they they were they were very upset when they were not allowed to move their double wide on and what happened was they moved the double wide onto a different property that said didn't have restrictions it was contiguous they bought that one too mm-hmm. and and they lost on that one too even right. though the restrictions had expired i can't remember what the details were on it but it was what they ended up happening though was because the homeowners association um, sued them to take it off there's a statute that says that for each day that you're not in compliance. And this is statutory, and only if it's the homeowners association, there's a $200 fine per day for each oh. day you're not in compliance yeah. per deed restriction violation. Oh. And that is, this one put them under. They had to, I think, declare bankruptcy and move the whole bit. And this was their, their residence. This overrides your homestead rules. So after um, they they literally, they had moved the trailer off the one um, property that had the restriction, which is like a little 0.2-acre 2. 2 property. And they moved it on the 0.7-acre property that was contiguous, thinking that they were fine. And mm-hmm. they did it immediately. They did it right when the HOA told them to do it. They still got fined. And their their, their fine was like $25,000. The property probably wasn't even worth that. Oh my so the homeowners association actually ended up with their property because they thought that they could put a trailer on the property and were trying to comply with it. And when they didn't and they went to court they and they lost, They had high, their fines were so high that they couldn't even stay there anymore. They lost everything. So be real careful about those deed restrictions. Good night. Um, And that's not going to go just with the trailer park. It goes with, you know, with the, not the trailer park. This was a, not a trailer park community. That was the problem. Um, Assess environmental practices. If environmentally friendly living is important to you, be aware that some HOAs may dictate that you use, like I was saying, fertilizers, pesticides, sprinkler systems, and whatever else it takes to keep your lawn perfect.
0: So they oh, may regulate right.
2: what you use. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not allow uh, uh, exescaping, ex- I don't know what this word is in this thing I'm reading, an environmentally friendly form of landscaping, and may limit the size of your gardens. Ban compost piles, and many of them do, and prevent you from installing solar panels. So make sure you check the fine print. A lot of people like the solar panels, and it may not be like, particularly in River Oaks, you're not going to be put to oh, put solar panels mm, in no. into your mansion. Right. You want to move into a little place on the outskirts. All right. The next thing is consider your temperament, uh, and this would go for you, my beloved husband, <laughs> because it says, "Are you the type of person who hates being told what to do?" And this is only at homeowners associations that he doesn't know because he has a really good temperament. He's so sweet. Um, if so, living in a community with an HOA may be very frustrating experience for you. And I will say that with our own our, our personal homeowners association we love them so this is not the case. that's great you're very
1: fortunate they
2: are they're they are working together we are all kind of of the same mind when we bought we all loved our homes and we all keep them up and that kind of thing but really really good but this goes uh if if you were in like the place that he was living before you can't keep your garage door open on saturdays because it's hot unbelievable insanity um one of the major benefits of homeowners ownership is the ability to customize and alter your property to suit your needs but your HOA rules may really interfere with this. And this is, we're talking about flip-flops. So be careful when you buy a house that you think you're going to flip and become Joanna Gaines. Right. You may not be able to do it. So this is really, really important.
1: All right. Well, listen, Tony, we are almost out of time. I just want to tell our listeners, and I'm sure you want to join in with me. Uh, you know, we're here for you. We are licensed to Texas attorneys and uh If you have any questions, reach out to us at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. You can listen to us every Tuesday from 12 to 1 on 104.5 or 106.1 IR Lone Star. Or you can listen to us, download our podcast on Google Play or iTunes, uh, the Wednesday following our show. So every Wednesday after 8 a.m., we'll be here next week discussing legal topics and here reaching out to you. So reach out to us. 281-529-5862. Have a great week. And serve
2: God by serving others.
1: That's right. Y'all have a great week.